Hey, everybody, what's going on? Josh Wiggler here with another Westworld podcast for you. But before we get to the podcast, let's take a quick second to thank our friends over at TrueCar. Uh, and TrueCar, they've got some useful tips for you today that you might not be aware of when it comes to your car. Uh, did you know that a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior? And removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage? And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Isn't that weird? Isn't that so strange? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready, to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Westworld Season 2, Episode 9, Vanishing Point is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Is welcome to Westworld Podcast in collaboration with The Hollywood Reporter. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and I am here joined by somebody who is going to dig into the truth the way that we're digging into our arms because we're so confused. And what is real? Tell me a true thing. Joe Garfine, tell me one true thing. There's a door to the valley beyond, but it's actually called the Forge. And there, I mean, seriously, there's a lot of lingo here, but. What? So much jargon. Someone <laughs> needs to publish a dictionary for Westworld. Again, like, I shouldn't be confused. What am I supposed to call this place? The Forge? The Valley Beyond? The I, Valley Beyond the Valley Beyond? I think they're totally messing with us. It's amazing. It's, it's too hysterical. on the nose to be an actual valley. What if it's not at all what we've seen? What is it instead? It's like, uh, it's the moon. Or it's an actual GD door. <laughs> it's just a door. Everyone walks in and nobody knows what they're walking to. And it's a big cliffhanger. And everyone walks away on this coming Sunday night being very upset with Westworld. Sure. Great. Bring it on. We get the answer to what the door is, right? By the end of Sunday night's episode, by the end of the finale, that's got to be happening. Yes. Oh, it had never occurred to me until this very second, Joe, that we could blow the lid off of the hatch at the end of season two and not know what the heck is on the other side until season three. That sounds uh, vaguely familiar. And, and awful. And outrageous. <laughs> I think Westworld has not only learned their lesson, but I think that they would treat us to uh, a satisfactory answer until season three. I hope so. I truly do because woof that was that just I I just got a stomach ache. Uh, <laughs> now I'm as like nervous and lost and confused as the man in black seems to be by the end of this episode, and I didn't even have to kill any family members to get that way. Good lord, this is dark. This is this is the Handmaid's Tale episode of Westworld. I mean, not as dark as the Handmaid's Tale. Nothing is. <laughs> not right now. Not quite, but it's like it's clawing at the door. This episode, Vanishing Point, did air on Father's Day, uh, <laughs> which was interesting. Brutal. Hashtag 
Brutal HBO. Yes. And a tough episode to watch with your spouse when your spouse is named Emily. Ooh, ouch. Yes. So tough business happening here in Vanishing Point. We'll get into all of the details in just a second. In case you are wandering into this podcast for the first time, welcome aboard. We're almost done, but we're still happy to have you. This is the Welcome to Westworld podcast. It's part recap. It's part theory, mad funhouse shenanigans. Uh, Joe and I getting together every week talking about each episode of Westworld. We are both on THR, THR.com slash Westworld every Thursday. And we are also on Post Show Recaps, the link to subscribe, postshowrecaps.com slash Westworld. Your ratings, your reviews, all of that is greatly appreciated uh, as we are barreling towards the season finale, which is crazy, of Westworld. It is airing on uh, Sunday night. I believe that is July 24th. I don't have a calendar in front of me or June 24th. Gosh, July 24th. That sounds nice. That would give us several more weeks of Westworld. Nope. Nope. And it's, it's June it's extended, 24th. yes. It is extended, so set your DVRs. Make sure that it is recording. It's going to be a 90-minute episode. Big episode coming up for the Season 2 finale of Westworld, titled The Passenger, Joe. (laughs) The Passenger, The Door, The Valley Beyond. None of it's meant for us, Josh. Who's the passenger? (sighs) I think we are. Are we the passenger? Of course. What a beautiful metaphor. (laughs) Ooh, we do accents today. We do accents today. Uh, yeah, we're probably one of the passengers. I bet it applies to a bunch of different people. Ford has been a passenger for quite a while now, even though he has seemingly abandoned ship. Uh, so we'll see. Like, I don't know. Do you do you buy that Ford is gone or is that nonsense? No, he's hanging out in Maeve. Now we have a new hashtag for the ship, Fave. Fave. Oh, my God, because Maeve was Ford's fave. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. What a great reveal. Yeah, lots of stuff happened in Vanishing Point that recontextualized a lot of the season, uh, and not just the season, but some of the stuff from season one, especially with the Ford and Maeve relationship. We'll talk about that. Uh, we can uh, tip our hats to a bunch of other reveals, Joe. <laughs> Certainly. Absolutely. What I, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but the the hat reveal. Was that something that you'd been thinking about, that the hats were secretly involved in the nefarious plot to copy our our brain pieces? Well, it's interesting, probably because I am married to a forensic scientist. So I think about DNA all the time in terms of data collection. So uh, immediately, Lisa and I, when we started watching the show, as soon as we saw the hat, she said, well, they're obviously going to collect DNA from the brim of the hat because of the sweat. Right. But and who, so that's where my mind was. Yeah. Who knew that they were like scanning all of our brains <laughs> with our hats? I should have known. I mean, if you could put a maze on a scalp and you could put a brain ball in a brain, you could put a computer in a hat. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hat tops are the way of the future. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for the cosplay at Comic-Con. It's going to be spectacular. All right. Well, let's hop into Vanishing Point, uh, the penultimate episode of Season 2, which is largely focusing on the man in black. There are some important developments with Dolores and Teddy. Uh, Pour one out for Teddy. I feel like Teddy's getting short shrifted in the uh, post-episode conversation. It's like we've seen James Marsden die on this show so many times that we almost can't believe that it's for real. Yeah, and it's a shame because I really liked Dark Teddy, and I wanted to see more of it. But doesn't it seem like it is a nice and beautiful thing that even underneath all of that Dark Teddy 
beautiful, bright, light Teddy was still kicking around. Yes, I, I called him Twitching Teddy. <laughs> Twi- uh, it, it, Twitchy Teddy. In this episode. And, you know, again, the, the, the foreshadowing was on the wall. We saw him floating in the lake in episode one in, in what is considered real time. So you and I were sort of waiting on to see how, but I certainly did not expect it to be by his own hand. No, me too. I was I was surprised by that. I mean, I could have seen it being by his own hand if it was like part of some sort of Dolores plan, like some right. sort of scheme that she had been cooking up and she had in mind. Uh, but the fact that it was actually just Teddy being like, yeah, no, can't do this. Sorry, peace, uh, was, a, was a real surprise. And we'll get to it, but I'm I'm actually surprised that with all of the programming that that's even an option for a host. So we'll get to that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're jumping around all over <laughs> the place, much like this episode. This episode yeah. was confusing, so we're puzzling through the maze as we're getting through it. Uh, but the episode it begins with some flashes of images that we're going to see throughout the episode uh, of both the Man in Black in the park. We're seeing the bathtub overflow before we're finally grounded in like this gala celebration for William. It's everybody who loves. William and loves what he has done here for Delos and for all of the hosts and all of that good stuff uh, and and uh, for the humans rather and uh, the programs he's working on and how he has conquered infinite amounts of worlds and that seems fantastic. He's conquered far more than one world and we get to meet Juliet for the first time uh, uh, as played by Seal Award at least. Uh, great to see Seal Award here on Westworld. Um, she is ageless and looks amazing. She's fantastic. And it was just, it, they, she and Ed Harris were perfect together. I was really happy with this casting. It was really good casting. She's immediately like, she she swoops into the scene as uh, as William and a colleague of his. They're debating Plutarch and, you know, <laughs> uh, about the, the poor kids who actually had to read books. The rich kids like me didn't have to. It's been a long time since I wanted to like punch my fist through the screen and just like hit a guy uh, <laughs> quite like that. That guy sucked. Uh, but Ju- <laughs> Juliet swoops in and she says, hey, I, I was a, a lovely and rich bookworm. I had to read. So she's already showing like her capabilities here and not only that she's acting because clearly she's not a fan of her husband uh and she's you know starting to slowly shade him in what we are going to determine pretty quickly here is going to be juliet's final night on earth it is it's so interesting because we know emily in the now to see her being daddy's girl is very disconcerting to see their daughter that way being like um you know not necessarily supportive of her mother but more of her father yeah. And so idolizing him. Yeah, really. Uh like they're they're like besties. <laughs> yeah. They're they're really tight and and for it to go the way that it goes, it's just all like the more retroactively horrifying. Yeah, totally. Um so before we leave the gala flashback, there is a moment where William sees a woman who he believes is Dolores, but it's not Dolores. He comes to find out it's somebody else and he's like kind of hallucinating. Or is he like, what the hell is going on here? And then his arm starts itching and he gets very uh, concerned and preoccupied about that. And in contrast with the final scene of his at the end of this episode or near the end of this episode, does he think, is he already starting to think that maybe He's a host. Like, is he is he suspicious of this? He's so far gone into the game of the park and to the multiple games he's been playing with for that. Yeah, I think they're trying to convince us that he's a host, but I don't think he is. I think he's just gone batty. And so he he has phantom robot itches and glitches. 
Yeah. So we're going to we're going to spend a lot of time in this episode wondering alongside the man in black, what is real? Who is real? Uh, And it's going to lead to some very, very dark moments, especially with the man in black and with his daughter. Uh, And we're going to be coming back to this scene quite a bit where the two of them have arrived at a rally point. Emily is trying to get him out of the park. She's shot off a flare about 10 minutes ago. Uh, and she is here uh, because she wants to get her father out of the park, or at least that's, you know, what she's saying to him. Like, I want to help you out. I, you know, I'm, I'm done blaming myself. It's not too late for you and me. Like we're going to be able to repair this. And the man in black seems to be like, at first glance, it seems like maybe he's, amenable to this but we're gonna very quickly discover over the course of their scenes together that he's he's not feeling this he still believes that emily is just a host and it's ford speaking through this vessel so what i want to know and i know we're jumping ahead is do you believe her and what was her genuine intent by getting him out of there to the hospital like what was her end game i believe um that she i i believe her final confession uh, and Katja Herbers, who plays Emily, yeah. I, I did an interview with her. She says the same thing, that she really believed that Emily's aim was to come to the park, find her father, get him out of the park, and get him locked up in the loony bin because he's the crazy one. Right, uh, right. And to get him to really pay for his crimes and use whatever tactics she can. So she thinks uh, the way that, that, that she played these scenes was Emily is using whatever tactic she can, whether that's like, faking the possibility of rehabilitation with her father she'll do it so when she finally like grabs him by the face and says like i'm not a host pretending to be a human i'm your daughter pretending to love her dad uh i think that's her real truth that's assuming that emily is emily and is not some sort of robo emily (laughs) which is certainly what her father believes and again since we're jumping around a little bit as we're talking this through i think that's fine um where are you on that I also think that a host version of Emily does exist, perhaps in the Valley Beyond, but that she's working, she was working with Logan and they were both looking for revenge. Logan's sister was Juliet, who killed herself because of William. Logan's, you know, niece was, is Emily. So I feel like she was in the park working with Logan on the outside. And what about the Emily who gets shot here? Like, do you think that that's really Emily or do you think it's some kind of doppelganger? I think it's Emily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sadly. I agree. I think I think it's better if it is, because uh, that's just so viciously brutal. Yes. Um, Happy Father's Day. Indeed. Look, the man in black has been looking for something true, right? Yeah. Like he's been looking for something real. And he, you know, him killing his daughter, it couldn't get more real than that. Uh, and I also, as a viewer, Joe... I too am searching for something real and you know how much I love the show. I know how much you love the show, but I do think one of both the blessings and curses of Westworld is that reality is kind of a nebulous thing and it is hard to know um, if dead is dead. Uh, You know, if, if things can be final in this world or in a universe where um, these entities can be resurrected over and over again, is death really permanent and we haven't seen a ton of permanent deaths on the show. Uh, Teresa comes to mind as, mm-hmm. you know, one of the the first real examples of that. But I think it would be important for, and I mean this in terms of like main character yeah. deaths. I think it would be important, you know, like with the Ford reversal and everything like that. Um, like if they're going to reverse 
something. Like, can they reverse both Emily and Teddy's deaths in this episode? That feels like a lot to me. So I, I hope that it's real as much as I love Katja Herbers. And I also don't know how you can move forward with William as a character that's at all likable or redeemable without having to kill him off. It will be hard. <laughs> and yet, I mean, we both thought we talked about this last week. We also assume because he's been in the park for 30 years, his DNA is around. They have his DNA. There has to be a host version of him out there. You got to think so. You got to think and so. And that keeps well, Ed Harris around. Well, you know, this episode really is the first one in a while that has challenged me on my notion that there's no way that the man in black is a host. He's got to be a human. That's been like the big crux of the character is that he is a human who wants so badly to be like the hosts. Uh, And so I've always thought that that was like the compelling angle with the character. But I know that you have always thought that it's a, a strong likelihood that the man in black may be the robot in black. This episode really makes you want to be as confused about the issue as humanly possible, I think. Does it reinforce that theory for you? Are you coming out of this episode thinking that the man in black is indeed a host? No, it makes me more believe that he's not, but that we will see him in host form later. Uh, so you believe that this version of the character is, real. is the real dude? I do, and I think he's gone bananas, and I like it. I hope so. I hope so. I'm trying to like think of what would have had to have happened for him to be a host. Like I think that like we need to we need to uh make a stand here as we're in our penultimate podcast of the season, Joe, and looking ahead towards the season finale of is it possible that he is a host or is he a human being? And like how would you track it uh right. if if he was a host. And I, for me, like, I just haven't really been entertaining the notion too seriously. But the way that this episode ends, for them to really kind of be putting that out front and center as at least a possibility makes me want to think of like how you would evaluate that. Like, how would you look back at some of these moments and say, that makes sense if he's a host? And I know that you would point to um, the fact that like, People couldn't kill him. Yeah. I even said, they, oh, my God, it's the boss. Like, there's such reverence for him. I think that there's coding also in the hosts for hands off for him. And that when he gets sh- the only thing that makes me think he's a host, it just it bugs me is that he's been shot a gajillion times and he's fine. Right. Yeah. It, that's. Yeah. He got healed very easily. He's I mean, he's Terminator. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, hopefully, like if the finale ends up going, this is my hope. If the finale ends up going full robot man in black, uh, then at least I want him to be a lot like the uh, the Yul Brenner version of the character. Like, right face off half like full on machine just rampaging around nonstop killing monster just give us that version of the man in black if he's going to be a robot i just feel like at the end of last season the reveal of bernard as arnold the bernardo they're not going to do it again to be like just kidding he's a host i just don't think they're going to do that i think it'd be it would be a really it'd be a really tough sell they'd really have to sell it the yes one thing i was thinking uh, just like if we're trying to like track a moment where he could have become a host is, is it possible that the man in black doesn't survive the shootout 
at Escalante, the night that Dolores kills Ford and turns on all of the guests, all of the Delos members. The Man in Black is right in the line of fire in that moment. He smiles. That's the last thing you see of him in season one after he's been shot in the arm. And then the very next thing you see of, of him is in season two, emerging from a pile of bodies that he hid under as presumably like human camouflage to survive the night. Could that person who's emerging from that pile of bodies, could that be uh, a host version of the man in black? That would be the, to me, the only, that scene is the only thing I could think of that, that yes, it happened. I, I was thinking about the season one finale, the look on William's face when he was sort of giggly and very like smirking when, when uh, Ford was shot and when the host started turning on the humans, he looked giddy, but he didn't look scared. And I just thought, is this him? Yeah. And he gets shot for the first time in the arm and it's like nothing happened. Yeah. And then he starts to, he finds the repair shop in the bar, you know, like they're either totally messing with us. I don't know, man. I don't know where to put my flag down on this one. They're definitely messing with us. I'm going to go ahead and just stick to my guns and say, I think that he is a human being. I do not think he is a host being. I think he's he's a human. I'm going to go there. Let's both just say, we think that on this podcast that we think William is a human. All right. And if he's not they better have a beautiful answer because I would be so mad. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So let's continue with the episode. Uh, we get our first of two Dolores and Teddy scenes here. Uh, and Dolores and Teddy and their horde are going to encounter Ghost Nation. Uh, this is going to be a big battle between these two different parties uh, where basically the whole horde is going to die here other than Dolores and Teddy. All of her people are going to get killed off. Uh, and there is an argument over the Valley Beyond. The Valley Beyond is not meant for the Deathbringer, according to Ghost Nation. Um, but Dolores says, no, it was meant for the people who built this place, a tool to ensure their immortality, and I'm going to use it against them. Ghost Nation argues that it's not a tool. It's a door to a new world that's untouched by blood. Dolores says, your new world is just another one of their traps. It's not a paradise for us. The only real world is the one outside these borders. So stopping there to just like unpack what we think the door represents and what the valley beyond represents. Uh, it does seem to me, based on like the way that they're talking about this place, it seems like they're talking about like some sort of digital world, right? Like because she's talking about the only real world is the one outside these borders, and your new world is just another one of their traps. Right, because you know I still think that the Valley Beyond is a storage facility of both brain balls and skin suits. So it's right. like it's a rebuild. It's using that DNA of everybody uh, under the cold storage under the water. And the way Dolores talks about it is like when she's flashing back to her experience in the actual real world. There's a door to the outside world. Yeah, it's fascinating because I also think about the fact that Ghost Nation, you know, was basically trying to recruit Maeve and saying your path is the same as ours. Whereas they're telling Dolores, "Get the f away from us." Yeah, they don't trust Dolores. Yeah, uh, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they have no faith in Dolores whatsoever. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it seems like they're very aware of the, her different end game. Um, well, Dolores and, and Ghost Nation are not going to be able to come to terms on this one. Battle breaks out. Uh, Teddy and Dolores are the lone survivors from their side of the aisle. Akichita's best friend, whose name I do not recall off the top of my head, he escapes. He's able to get out of there. And that's our first glimpse that uh, evil Teddy, maybe yes. not quite as evil, starting to resist. Just a touch. That's when he started to twitch. Twitching Teddy. Twitching Teddy. Twitchy Teddy. Um, 
Remind me because last week's episode was so beautiful that I forgot how it ended. But where is Akichida? Akichida and his people are heading toward the door. Uh, okay. He says, the Deathbringer has returned. It's time to head towards the door. And he tells Maeve that he'll watch out over Maeve's daughter. Okay. And Maeve, join us if you can. And if not, die well. And she says, take my heart when you go. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. I have to say that, it, you know, not that this was a bottle episode, but it was specifically about William. And, and it's so interesting that I found myself far more affected by the story of the host of Akichita than of William. I definitely agree. Uh, and I, I think that because this episode has it, it's it's um, it's kind of a chess pieces episode. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a lot of table setting for whatever's going to happen in the finale. It does it does feel that way. The the man in black story is the most personal story of the episode outside of like the Dolores and Teddy thing. But the fact that there's only two scenes of them, and I know that they've been building towards this all season long, I felt like I needed a little bit more for that to have like full impact for me. I loved you know the flash of Teddy coming online. That was that was yeah. a beautiful that was a beautiful moment. James Marsden played the hell out of that. But there was just a lot happening in this episode, um, almost too much for me, especially coming off the heels of uh, the the really amazing uh, Kiksuya. Uh, not that this was a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. No. I think it just had a lot of heavy lifting that it had to do. It's the what they died for and put in the right place. It's the penultimate <laughs> episode. Drink! Drink! Drink, 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 Lost drink, drink, Alright, so let's go to the Mesa. Bernard is walking around. He is spying on Charlotte Hale uh, who has brought the Clementine shell back to <laughs> back to life. Angela Serafian is really <laughs> spectacular uh, in, uh, in this series. Just playing all of these different Terminators. She's just so good. I would totally watch the heck out of that spinoff, first of all. Um, it'd, be, it'd be good. I think that the Clementine Mesh Network would be a great web series. I would watch that as well. Um, but yeah, it's actually looks, I think it's a lot harder than it looks to play that role of I am a host and I'm being used to have, make people murder each other and I have to stay wide-eyed and still. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, so she's just like standing there in like the in her like little glass room watching as she resurrects through the mesh network that Charlotte and her people are now manipulating. She is able to, you know, raise the dead much the way that Maeve can control the other hosts and she's having them like tear each other apart and Charlotte is pumped up. She loves this. <laughs> okay, questions. First of all, Bernard is right there and he's not affected by the mesh network. Why? Great question. Um, okay. Is it because she has to like direct it at the hosts mm. that she is aware of in Maybe. her space? Is it... Is she programmed to do just the people in the room? Right. Is it a Nolanism is possible? You know? <laughs> well, also... I say where, with love. <laughs> you say with love. Where in that facility is Maeve because can Maeve see what's happening? Right, right. Great question. These are things I was thinking about. Like, can she control Clementine? It seemed like when Maeve was, uh, when she was listening to Akichita's story last week, it seemed like she was not exactly present when Sizemore was talking to her, as sad as that was for Sizemore. (laughs) Uh, So I wonder, I, I wonder if she, if she can only like, if it's not that like she has like omni focus, but she can use right. the uh, mesh network to like hyper focus on the things she needs to hype in on. Well, it, the only thing that makes me really sad about um, Charlotte Hale, which by the way, her turning out to be the big bad is awesome. I know. Um, the, what, what makes me sad is we're going to have to then see in the finale a Clementine versus Maeve. 
um, sort of showdown potentially, which I do not like. I don't like it for the reasons that it is sad. Yeah. I love it for the potential for it to be a live action Dragon Ball Z moment. Okay, that's And fair. they're just like <laughs> hadoukening each other. I know that's a Street Fighter reference. It's a Kamehameha, that's what I'm supposed to say. Which is, okay, drink if you expected that. Sorry, reference. sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, so uh, so uh, Bernard is going to... He he wants to get out of there. Um, he needs to go find Elsie. Ford says, not yet. I still have one thing for you to do before we go. We'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, we're still... We're back with Man in Black and Emily... Uh, he's still like kind of questioning, like, what what are you doing here? How did you find me? This is a huge place. You could be here for months and never find someone you're looking for. And so clearly, he's still just kind of trying to suss out that she and uh, she is just another vessel for Ford. And she brings up the project, your little project that you're that you're trying to do. That Uncle Logan used to talk about your pursuit mm-hmm. of immortality. There's always an angle with you. It's about being in control. He says it has nothing to do with control. And he says, what's your angle? And she says, I want in. And that's not really what she wants. Again, I think that's just BS. But that's where I feel. I know that people say, yell at me when I say, Logan said, no, they can tell us Logan OD'd, but I think Logan's alive. And it sounds like him talking through her. Yeah, I hope so. Because I would love, I still would love to see somebody awesome stepping in as old man Logan. I just, I, <laughs> I think there's so much else that has to happen on this show that if there, if something like that happens, it has to be like a spectacularly recognizable actor who shows up. Uh, oh my God. We should dreamcast that between this episode and next. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, okay. Think about it. Let's get to it. Tweet, tweet us who your actor would be if you have old man Logan. I think it was uh, it was Emily, my wife, who said uh, Eric Bana. Because well, they do look alike. They look a little bit alike, but I feel like I don't know if Eric Bana is quite uh, Logan. Yeah, he's forty nine years old. Emily, what are you talking about? <laughs> don't listen to this, Emily. I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, in the flashback, we go back to the gala, uh, and Emily and the man in black. They have a moment where uh, mom is drunk. They need to deal with that. They're going to deal with it later. Uh, William says, it's not your problem. I'll take care of it. I'll take her back home. Join me for a nightcap. Uh, and I, I really loved this interaction with the two of them because it was it was nice to see this happy moment, even if it's a lie. Like, I don't know. It was just, it, it was a great, it was great acting between Ed Harris and Katja Herbers. And you could really immediately pick up on what that friendship was like between father and daughter and how far they have fallen is a, is a very sad thing, mostly for Emma especially because Emily will be killed by her father. I know. I actually, you know, of the human female characters, I, I found myself super drawn to Emily, um, not, not just because of Katja's performance, but there were so many layers and levels I wanted to get to. So I was super disappointed that, that she is killed off allegedly. Yeah, it's not it, I, it's not my favorite thing that the show has done just because we were starting to like get infested in her. But it's also hard to be mad at the show wanting to like burn through story material. I I do subscribe to the idea. Like if you've got strong ideas about where your thing is going, don't save them for the later season. Just get to them now and have your later season be, be good as well. Okay, Um, fine. So, uh, but I'm, I'm with you. I share in the, in the disappointment. I was, I was shocked when, when it happened and I was also disappointed. Totally. Yes. Um, how about, how about a drink, Joe? Uh, And not even because of a lost reference. McAllen <laughs> is a real drink. It is not yes. McCutcheon. Now let's drink again. Uh, as William and Ford are going to meet at the bar here. Uh, and William is going to be very annoyed that Ford is here. What's Oz doing without its wizard? 
which was a, a great line and makes me want uh, the the great Anthony Hopkins to play the Wizard of Oz. In oh my gosh! And I was thinking about his Wizards, obviously Arnold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says he's came he came to pay his respects, uh, and William says you've had a lot of feelings about me over the years. Respect is not one of them. Uh, and they're they're getting into like a very like passive aggressive argument. Uh, over uh, the agreement. The agreement being Dalos stays out of your stories and you guys stay out of the valley. Uh, and Ford says, I didn't break the agreement. Your project broke the agreement. Hmm. I know. There's a lot in there. It's like, are they like already start? Like, is, is it because the Delos project, it doesn't seem like that was taking place outside, like that was taking place outside of the valley, right? So like, did he leave the borders that he was confined to? Because, you know, when when Bernard and Elsie find James Delos, that seems to be far away from where they're trying to go to the valley beyond. So is that like, was it like a like a turf war agreement? Was it like he literally crossed the boundary? Well, we don't know what time period this this gala and this conversation is taking place, right? Do we know? Um, no, but I, you got to assume that it's fairly close to when the man in black goes to the park because he is uh, Ed Harris aged, yeah. for one. Okay. Uh, and this... And Juliet's death, I think it's like a year or so okay. before the final voyage to the park, as he calls it. Um, so I think it's got to be pretty close to the quote unquote present timeline. The way I interpret that is, you know, when he says Delo stays out of your stories, you stay out of the valley. Maybe at that point, William himself had made a host version of himself and stored it in the valley. And then they found out. Mm. Oh, God. Robo, Robo, Robo man in black. Yeah. Or his daughter. Man in black bot. Or his wife. I mean, there could be a whole family there. Juliet, 5,000. Well, listen, cause, listen. Uh, you know, Robert Ford created his own family. Oh, uh, true. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe William went, you know what? I'm going to do that too. And I put them in the valley. Uh, I miss young Bobby Ford. Oh, uh, I like his face when it came off. Yeah. It was just, the dog. Oh, the dog. Jock. Jock. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Jack. Yeah. Uh, so the man in black, he's going to leave because Juliet is drunk. He's going to take her home. Uh, and uh, he before he leaves, Robert Ford passes the profile card, uh, which will prove to be uh, his undoing in many ways. Uh, so he, he says enough games, Robert. He leaves. And as Robert Ford watches the man in black leave, he says, no, William, I think perhaps one final game. Uh, good one. Good accent. Ah, oh, he's so good. Uh, so we go back to the Mesa, a brief pit stop at Maeve's as Bernard just needs to get close enough to deliver a message. Maeve is going to search your mind and find a message that I've left for her. There's a little bit of that mesh network whisper. Uh, and it seems like Maeve has picked something up. And of course, she has. We'll find out exactly <laughs> what that is in a little while. Uh, Bernard comes to find Elsie. And suddenly, Bernard has like, so much more information. He's like, we're going to a place. It's called the Forge. It's like, <laughs> where did you get that? You, are you talking to the writers? How did you find that out? I guess he was in the mesh network when uh, when Maeve was talking to Ford. You know, if Ford is inside Bernard's head, he could just tell him whatever he wants, right? That is true. You know, so he's like, yeah, we're going to the Forge. Maybe it's he's where- being sent to a place that isn't the Valley Beyond as, as like a, just to get him away from all that. That's going to be so confusing, Joe. If, <laughs> if, if if we're talking about the door and the valley beyond and the forge, and if they're all different places, 
And there's like a thousand Bernards. Oh, God. Got to be at least one Bernard at the Valley Beyond. Yeah, it's going to be. They better have name tags so we can keep track. <laughs> Bernard, I'm Bernard Seven. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be helpful. Anyway, so they're gonna they're gonna head there. They're gonna try and get there. Uh, they have to secure it and end all this uh, and dictate the outcome that they want. Uh, that is the game plan. We cut back to Emily and the Man in Black. Uh, she's still like prying for all the information on the project, and this is where we get the reveal that uh they how would you get everybody's like you know every last detail you would need a complete picture and er- internal record of people's cognition so where's the scanner and he tips his hat and says it's it's the hats it's the hats emily the the, the information's been in the hats the whole time you didn't know <laughs> this is an exact quote from the episode we're wearing the hats and they've got computers in them and that's the answer that you've been at to the question the thing is that you have a lot of female and sh- child hosts, so like you're relying on a few dudes in the park to re- to get all your information. I got to go back and rewatch the uh, Shogun World episode. Uh, do we see many guests, and are they wearing hats? Not everybody is True. a hat person. Trust me, I've <laughs> learned this over the course of this past Survivor season. <laughs> Not everybody likes hats. So how can you bank on the fact that every single guest is going to wear a hat? Do they wear? Does everyone in the Raj wear hats? It didn't look like Emily was wearing a hat. Well, she did wear a safari hat. And what if there's a, a, a world where there are no hats allowed? But remember... There, down in the cradle before it blew up, there was a hat sitting there in the background that I noticed. Remember, in one of the rooms. Yes. So there yes. are hats um, placed around just recording shit. Oh my god, Chekhov's hats—they've been—they've <laughs> been, been in the drawer all the time, and we had no idea. It is quite a clever. I. It is. It's also a little cute for me. Yeah. This is. This is like the. Drink just preemptively. This is the this is the kind of thing like when when Lost would like just like kind of like lob up answers to like questions like what are the whispers for instance right. and not to spoil what the answer is like it just it was never as satisfying as either the question or just kind of like the set design or the atmosphere or the mood. I don't know that I was ever thinking that there was anything fishy with the hats and I don't know that I'm suddenly like kind of in awe of the fact that the hats were scanning everybody's brains the whole time other than like, okay. (laughs) Well, a that's assuming we have to believe him. Yeah. But he's the, he's the king of the castle. Yeah. But also like, we're so spoiled now that we get an answer. We're like, eh, okay. (laughs) I know (laughs) I can't be satisfied. I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. No, we are. We are. We analyze this show so heavily that when we get an answer and it seems obvious, you're like, Almost disappointed. Right. Yeah. We are those watchers. Oh, God. We're bad. Bad. It's uh, bad on me. I I shouldn't be so cynical. But but I I just... I I got that and I was kind of like both... I I, I kind of like laughed a little bit. Like it was just like a soft like, oh, okay. Like it was just like quick. But it was kind of like, oh, I guess that's an answer to a question that I wasn't necessarily asking. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people were like really fascinated with the hats and thought that the hats had something to do with it, like you said. And I think that that was a really good point that they could do a lot of like DNA swabbing and collection off of the hats. But to have like their uh, the mechanism with which they were recording the cognition of the guests was through the hats. You'd have to assume that the hats are on almost all the time. Right. That cannot be the case. And more than just the men. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I don't know if we're going to learn more later. Yeah, I'm okay yeah. if they just take the hat and you know put it on the coat rack. And... Didn't you get a hat at Comic Con that one year? Maybe they're recording you. Oh no! <laughs> and it's been in my room the whole time. I'm just saying. It knows too much. Big brother. <laughs> go away. Oh, God. No big brother in our Westworld podcast. Okay. okay. Let's uh, let's go home with the man in black and Juliet. And uh, she is now finally just like kind of letting loose. She says like, you snuck into the family. I thought that you were, you were the only real guy. But it turns out that you were just the only one who could be good at faking everything. You were good enough to get past me. She like is hitting him. She says he's a virus, and Emily is watching the whole thing. Calling him a virus, my spidey senses, my like, I got goosebumps. Yeah. What? What if he is? In what, what if he's in, what in way? the park? I don't know, man. But it just got me thinking. Like he's the only one of his kind in the park. <laughs> yeah, and he's like I don't know. Like he's the he's the hybrid. He's like the functional yeah. hybrid. Oh I, God. And he, he was working on Delos, so... Oh, God, maybe! Oh, <laughs> so confused, so confused. What's going on with all of that? To be um, clear, I'm confused, but I freaking love it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just... I'm scratching my head. I have no idea. I'm scratching my arm, and that's going to lead <laughs> to bad places. I like I like uh, inserting random theories in your head just to confuse you. Oh, my God. My brain ball, it's scrambled. Yes. Uh, Juliet is going to be very sad that Emily is here. Emily's going to say, we're going to bring you back to the place. And Juliet's like, please, no, I don't want to go there. It was horrible. They made me feel like I'm crazy. Emily says, no, they treat you like an addict, which you are. This is very brutal. Uh, you know, Juliet talking about how her husband has been gaslighting both her and now her daughter as well. And it's legit. Like, that's legit. That is the truth. And yep. Emily's not listening because Juliet does have, you know, a substance abuse issue. Um, and it's just it's one of those things that, that there's a lot of layers of reality that are happening right here and not even talking about the mechanics of the park, just talking about human reality that are going on here. And it's it's really messy and difficult to untangle and uh, difficult to watch as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later, but the, I'm very curious about what you think. We saw what was on the gold card yeah. that, that Ford left him. But I feel like, again, he is the only one getting such a thing. Yeah. I wonder if does his access buy him permission to check out the card? Was that like a real no-no? Is he not supposed to see that? Right, right. And then her finding it in that book. Can you talk about the book that the card was in? Did we did we catch the, the name of it? Um, I thought it was Slaughterhouse-Five. Whoa, really? I thought so, yeah. Oh, my God. Which I believe has a suicidal element to it. Which I believe also has a time travel element to it. And an iconic line, Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time and don't call the man in black Billy. Uh-huh. Just to get your brain ball going, Joe Garfine. Yeah. I mean, because of Lost, we'd look at every book title now yeah. uh, and every show because it's obviously by design. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so I'm so confused. <laughs> oh God, I'm so lost. I'm so lost. Uh, all right, so William he takes his wife upstairs, and she's saying, "Is this real? Are you real? Did you ever love me? Tell me the truth. Tell me one true thing." Uh, and he uh, she falls asleep, and he sits there, 
and says nothing further and definitely goes downstairs and the night ends peacefully. (laughs) That's not what's going to happen. This is not the good place. This is the bad place. Yes. This is the bad place. Uh, but we're not going to get the second part of that scene just yet. Uh, we flash back to the park. Emily wants to know what happened that night. Uh, how did it? How did it go this way? Like, why did this night end differently from the other nights? This is, you know, the same. She acted the same way she acts every single night. She felt like she was missing a piece of the puzzle. Uh, we cut to William and Emily back at their house. Uh, Emily has just gotten off the phone with Dr. Woodward. Uh, what, what if that's a shout out to the great Shannon Woodward who plays Elsie? I hope so. I thought about it. I'm like, ooh, maybe it's a dentist, Dr. Woodward. Nope, just kidding. It's a bit. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be very funny. Uh, I saw Shannon Woodward retweet somebody about that. Oh, yeah. So she, she at least thought it was funny. Awesome. Uh, so they're, you know, they're going to send her back to rehab. They don't want to do it. And then they notice the water coming down from the ceiling off the chandelier, which is this uh, you know, recognizable image that we've seen earlier in the season already. We see William running up the stairs. That's recognizable as well. We see him coming into the room with the tub overflowing and uh, his wife has passed away. Uh, she has overdosed and it is very, very sad. Even though we, we know that this is what's happening you know, based on what we had seen earlier in the season and what we had heard even in season one. It's still distressing to watch. It's interesting to watch the layers of his life unravel and see how it affects him or doesn't affect him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've made him so unlikable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's it's weird because, like, there's moments where you sympathize with him. Uh, like, he was, you know, what went back in episode four when he, when he saved Lawrence's family and everything. Like, you feel like, oh, are we going to be on a redemptive arc with this character Oof. this year? Like, even, like, in the wake of him, you know... Like, you know, I think even like through this point in the episode, since it's now about to take the turn, uh, like up to this moment, I still am watching it and thinking like there is a chance for reconciliation between William and Emily. And then we get to where we are now at this point in the recap. And like all of that goes completely out the window. Yeah. Uh, where uh, this is where the man in black is just like, F you, Robert. This is sadistic, even for you. And she's, you know, really taken aback by all of this. She's very uh, disgusted, alarmed, surprised, whatever you want to call it. But she's going to drop her facade as well, uh, where she says, if you want the truth, the real truth, I'm not a host pretending to be a human. I'm your daughter pretending to give a shit about you. Um, you've, you've been hiding in these false realities for so long that you've completely lost your grip on what's real. She also tells him, you don't think that you don't just think that I'm a host. You think that everything here is made for you. You think you're on your own tailor made narrative. Um, and maybe, maybe he is. But I think like the other thematic, you know, idea that's uh, I think being explored here is like what it's like to get so lost in your obsession to to like go uh, you know a lot of westworld as Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy have talked about it uh you know video games are such like an exploration of it and it's like being you know trapped in that kind of a virtual reality i think that with the man in black like you're you're seeing sort of um like the the obsessed 
gamer who doesn't realize he's not necessarily in a game anymore, but thinks everything's a game. Like that's one possible interpretation of it. And I think it's a really interesting way to explore that new ish archetype through this, you know, old reliable Western archetype of like the black hatted gunslinger. It's just, it's fascinating to me. It is. And it's like, you can in essence blame Ford for telling him this game is meant for you. This is your new, this is your new game. One more game. It's like, man, Robert Ford effed everybody up. It's like he knew what, how to trigger him. Oh, though. for sure. Like, it's like, oh, I know your turnkey. I know, I know how to get you going is to make you think that you're on this like messianic mission. You know, like you are, you are God and this is your kingdom and he's going to fall for that. He'll eat that up with a, with a spoon. Yeah. Oof. I wrote down the one line, which is you are in your very essence a lie. Yeah. I love That's that. That's one of the best favorite, my favorite lines of the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of her last great lines too, because uh, she says that the car with the security forces shows Oof. up. Um, they're scanning her. They're scanning him. We only yes. see the scan for That's him. That's what I wrote down. I was like, we only see. We don't see her neck scan. Correct. They're totally messing we with us. Yes. Yes. We see the we see the scan on him, and he's a human, according to the scanner. We don't see the scan on her. He proceeds to murder all of the security forces. And I love the look on Emily's face, on Katja Herbers' face. Uh, and the, the camera work, too. It's like the camera just like slowly pushes in on her as she just like looks so alarmed and like so um, not even alarmed, just like stunned yeah. by what she's, she's like, Dad, those were real people. This isn't a yeah. game. That's. I can show you. No, no. And then he kills her. Oh. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, it was brutal. Happy Father's Day. It did make me think of The Prestige, um, the movie in the t- early or the mid 2000s that Jonathan and Christopher Nolan wrote. Yes, and a quick trigger warning for anybody who has not seen The Prestige. I would skip forward like 30 to 60 seconds. I mean, it's 12 years old, but yes. Yeah, but I just want to protect the movie because it's precious to me. I love that movie. So just in case. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the woman in that movie kills herself because it's about her husband being lost in a game. It's her husband is lost in a game, but the husband is sometimes not her husband because sometimes her husband is her husband's twin brother. Right. So I'm saying it's just like this, this same, it's the same sort of twisted thing that the Nolans seem to do to us. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's, that was my little aside is, is I was thinking about his wife and his daughter. And then I thought, oh my gosh, cause I just recently rewatched the prestige. So I think it's a terrifically underrated movie. Great film. Great yeah. movie. So anyway, this, that's this my theme, aside. Yeah. This theme tracks in, in the Nolans work. True. And then the man in black, he's, you know, F you, Ford, F you, you got sloppy. You overreached. I never told anyone about my profile. And then he turns her over. He's about to cut into her arm. What is with him and cutting into people's arms? Like, he's just trying to, like, get to the plugs just to prove his point. Yeah, I mean, he's, he does think everyone's a host. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even bother doing that because he sees in her hand that she has a key. It's the, it's the profile. And it, it seems like it is starting to dawn on him that she's real. And that's bad. <sighs> But he still can't kill himself. Still can't kill himself. Not yet. We'll get to yeah. that in just a moment. Okay. First, back to the Mesa, back to Ford and Maeve. And this is where he is speaking to her. 
and we get some uh, some answers to questions that I guess I had just like kind of uh, not even really considered uh, in a in a long time and bad on me. But Ford really explaining Maeve's season one storyline quite a bit. Yeah. And, you know, we're always led to believe that Dolores was his first and favorite. And that seems to be either not true or he's just saying that to Maeve right now. Well, when he and Dolores have they have a scene in the first season where they're sitting across from each other and Dolores is still not awake. And she says to him, are we very old friends? And he says, ah, I don't think so. I wouldn't say that. Uh, so the relationship between Dolores and Ford has been a curious one, for sure. It was surprising to me that he has settled on Maeve as his favorite, as close as he ever got to having a child. Um, that was a, a real surprise, like a really beautiful moment and wonderfully acted by uh, by the great Sir Anthony Hopkins. Um, but just a surprise. I had no and, idea. And I'm so glad he said what I was thinking all along, which is that he underestimated Maeve. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, I thought this was cool also that like, I was trying to get you out of the park. That really was the narrative. Like, I wanted you to leave here. I I charted out a path for you to get out of here. And you decided to stay here to save your child. That's why Uh, I still think he has programmed the ghost nation. That's why they're not killing people. That's why they want to get people to the valley beyond. Yeah, I think that's that's possible for sure. But I think what we're also seeing here is that some of the hosts can wake up enough to their own senses of self and make choices beyond what Ford has designed. Like he's outright admitting that now, which I am so grateful to hear acknowledged on the show because I think it's really important that we feel like the hosts actually do, some of them at least, have true agency. Otherwise, it's just Ford pulling the strings on everything. And that becomes a little hard to watch. And he's saying now, Maeve, you've got agency. You did something that I did not expect you to do. Well, like I think that'll be the case with Teddy then, too. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so, too. Um, the, my favorite line of this is that you stayed here in this world to save your child. So have I. Ah, uh, tears. Ah, uh, take my heart when you go. Uh, I mean, really, like the most emotionally resonant to at least to me the resonance i have felt for two seasons has been through and because of mave and her story she's the best i mean like i i love dolores and her story for a whole other reasons but i have more emotional connection to mave tandy newton crushes oh my gosh i think she should put everyone up for all the awards that's it all of them yeah yeah, yeah. but if only one can win maybe tandy newton okay great and zon mclernan <laughs> okay yes I, and, Je- I, and jeffrey wright and anthony hopkins and ed harris Okay, great. And Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> and Marsden. And James Marsden. I love James Marsden. He, this he's, season. He's great. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, it was not, maybe not quite enough for James Marsden. Season okay. three, if he's able to come back. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Teddy um, 3.0. Teddy 3.0. I'm up for Teddy 3.0. <laughs> I know? love it. Why not? Let's give it so, a shot. On the iPad screen, did it say unlocking core perspectives? It said core permissions. Permissions. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you see it? Did you think about anything about that? Because I feel like she's already, I thought she had already unlocked all of it. I thought so too. Um, but maybe the so, last door haha, was to the matrix that is Ford. It's like he didn't give her everything. He still wanted to protect her to some degree from all of her abilities. And now he's like, no, you deserve everything. So if, Unlocking her core permissions upgrades her 
powers. Mm-hmm. If if to if suddenly to make another Dragon Ball Z reference, her power levels are off the charts. They're over nine thousand. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be uh, something to behold. That mm-hmm. will be. I I don't even know what that's gonna look like. And he even said Ford even said we need to open the door, and I went what? Yeah, I should have just uh, opened the door. Yeah. What just, is the door? Oh, man. I hope it's a freaking door. I hope it's a literal <laughs> door, just so I can laugh out loud during the intense finale. Just a very humble door. Yeah, and they should, as swag, they should release, like, little door magnets or something just to ask with us. You know, it says, Valiant, just kidding, scratched out. The forge, just kidding. Yeah. Just the door. It's just, just like the door. a... You know, like a, a porch door. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see what the core permissions are. Can't wait to see what that looks like in the <laughs> finale. That should be fun. Listen, Maeve having even more of an open mind is spectacular. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for it. I'm. I'm. Sign me on forever. I need Over her here. in the next episode though to get off that bench and be a little more put together. Yeah, uh, she has. I, I think nap time is over. Where's Sizemore? Yeah, great question. He's somewhere like. Uh, I feel like he's retrieving a skin suit for her. Hope so. Because he's Redemption. creepy enough to have one in his own, like, cold storage. <laughs> That's true. Or at least to know where the bodies are. We're gonna, I think we're actually going to find out where the bodies are stored. I think so as well. <laughs> All right. So uh, Bernard and Elsie, they're on their way to the forge. They make a pit stop at a site where there's lots of dead people. They want to search around for ammunition. And Ford shows up to warn Bernard, she's going to betray you. You can stop her now. Uh, and Bernard says, I'm not going to hurt her again. And Ford says, she doesn't have to feel any pain, uh, which is, uh, you know, very Fordish. Stay away from my Elsie. I cannot describe how much I loved the line read when Bernard throws his gun across the, the, the forest and drops to his hands and grabs his head and just screams, get out of my effing head! It's just marvelous. It is. Just, at the whole point, I thought he lost his glasses when he did it. And you know I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, but he picks them back up. He puts them back on. I know. It's just interesting that that happened when his glasses are off. I'm just obsessed with what it means. Anyway, go on. But I, but I like that because like that, once again... It draws your attention to Bernard's relationship with his glasses, right? Yeah. Where, where if he's going to to pay such care to them that even when he drops them, he's going to be very quick to put them back on. It really does make you think about the, uh, you know, where he was in the in the first episode of the season and why he didn't care as much about his glasses. Like yeah. that really does help you. Um, with thinking that like somebody's in there, there's somebody else that's kicking around inside of. Bernard's brain ball potentially. Exactly. And remind me how f- what the time difference is between this scene and the opening scene where he wakes up on the beach. It's getting really close. Okay. I, I think I think it's it's gotta be like a day, two days, three days, something like that at this point. Could it be possible that back before the cradle blue, when Elsie was there, when Bernard went under, that she switched out the brain balls? And already there's somebody else inside of Bernard's head? Potentially, I think that would, that doesn't seem right to me yet. All right, like, just th- throwing it out there. No, I think that this. I think that this is still Bernard. I think the the question. I think at least the the show probably wants us thinking this, and whether or not it's it's true, is the Bernard that we're seeing in that like further point in the timeline. Is that more Ford than Bernard? Because Bernard has Ford in his head as a passenger of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, 
he deletes him, it seems like, in this scene here where he goes into the car and he uh, he's he he writes him off. And it seems like that works, but did it really work? Right. Or is Ford just like going deeper? And is something going to happen in this next episode where Ford is going to go full Bernardold? Oh, gosh, I cannot wait. <laughs> Bernard Ford. Oh, Bernard Ford. Also, I think it's hilarious that we have Maze and the Maeve, Ford yes. and the Forge. There's a lot oh. going on there. Oh, God, it's so confusing. It is. <laughs> Help, help me. Um, Dolores, right, so, Dolores Delos door. I'm just yes, saying. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. It's all, all close. William, will I am. <laughs> a jar. So there's got to be. The Raj, a jar. The door <laughs> yeah. is a jar. Okay. It's true. It's true. It's true. So Elsie's going to come back. She's going to see Bernard has handcuffed himself to the wheel. Does not like that. That's fair. He is going to leave her here because he's afraid that if he doesn't go away right now, he's going to hurt her. And this is the kindest thing he has done for Elsie in quite some time because that was definitely a risk that he was going to hurt her. Yes. And every episode, I'm like, don't kill Elsie. I just have a soft spot for her. Oh, I love her too. Yeah. Uh, but this is good. Yeah. You know, it's good. Like we don't know why she hasn't been popping around in uh, in the you know the future timeline. Right. And maybe it's because she's just like wandering the woods. Like where am I? She and Stubbs are going to meet up and like just go and make a family or something. I don't know. Oh, oh, I ship it. I like. It. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it also makes sense uh, for plot reasons why Bernard is not taking Elsie with him because as has been noted in the past, Elsie is just like hyper capable in terms of this stuff. And if she comes with him to the forge, she's either a going to get killed and we don't want that or B she's just going to solve the thing in five minutes. Oh, I hope so. Cause she's the best. Yeah. Um, all right. Final man in black scene of the episode as he like stumbles out into the woods or into this field and he takes the gun out and he puts it to his own head. It looks like maybe he's going to do the thing. He is instead. We're going to see this flashback, uh, and it's going to be intercut with like all of these scenes of of Jimmy Simpson, you know, becoming the Man in Black from the first season. Really uh, stark reminders of uh, just sort of like the the crazy look on his face when he comes and sees Dolores, yeah, uh, and sees the other person picking up the can for her and everything, and his whole worldview being shattered in that moment. That was really spectacular to go back and see that. Um, but he talks about how. Uh, I I realized that there was this darkness in me and it wasn't some mark from something I had done or a decision I had made. I was shedding my skin. The darkness was what was underneath. It was mine all along and I decided how much of it I let into the world. I tried to do right. I was faithful, generous, kind, at least in this world. Yeah. That's got to count for something, right? Yeah. <laughs> shaking your problematic yes. hand at this point um he says but you saw right through it you saw right through the wall you're the only one and for that i'm truly sorry because everything you feel is true i don't belong to you or this world i belong to another world i always have yeah dark and i actually thought for a moment is he going to do it and yeah, then, me then too. Do we find out if he's yes. a host or not? But I'm kind of glad they didn't. Yeah, I mean, if the, if that was the angle that they were going to go with, like if they're going with the angle that he's a host, yeah, I think I would have I would have been excited for him to like have been like so pushed by what happened, what he did to his daughter, uh, that it would like the first conscious decision he would make would be to like let that grief consume him, and then that happens, and then like you could see him waking up. 
in like right. a host body or something like that. But that's right. not, that's not the direction that they go in. No, that's good. Uh, Juliet finds the card. She was awake the whole time. That sucks. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. Uh, so she was listening. She sees the profile. It compels her to do what she does. And in the present, William decides not to shoot himself. Um, and we keep hearing these voices. If you keep pretending, you're not going to remember who you are. Were any of these choices ever truly mine to begin with? Is this real? Are you real? And he's digging into his own forearm. And this, this is the last image we're left with with the man in black. And again, it's just... The show is Mondo messing with us and really making us want to question the nature of the man in black's reality. Especially since he's got a bunch of bullets already through him. Yeah. And like, he seems to be much better now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's made it quite a distance from crawling to the water to now. He's still like, you know, limping around and like, he, you know, the, the, the little bit he of. He got shot in the chest and he had a bottle of water. The pep in, the pep in his step seems to have you know, softened to some degree, but you're right. He's hydrated now. Yes. He seems, which totally helps. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> hydration is key. Listen, I suspend my disbelief because I don't want to believe he is anything other than a human. Yeah. I love that you've come around to that side. I have. Yeah. I think he, he's the man in black. It's literally the man. Yeah. So, you know, I think you want him to be a human being and I think you like that contrast or at least I do. I and he's a monstrous human being. Yeah, like he's the avatar for everything that's bad about people. <laughs> you know? So basically, the Man of Black is 2018. Right, right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, we are in dark anyway, times. Anyway, let's times. escape back into our uh, Westworld world. Oh, isn't it nice to have uh, this it's... dark world to talk about to distract <laughs> us from our own? I was uh, like, the only thing darker than this is if we had a podcast about The Handmaid's Tale. No, no, I can't. I can't handle it. It's it's too much, too much. The show isn't is... it interesting that there's such darkness? That show seems so much more real than Westworld, which is why we're able to do this. Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I'm covering that show weekly right now, and it is, it's, uh, you know, poor <laughs> Me, but it's it's a lot it's a yeah. lot like it's it's a it's a hard show to watch on a weekly basis i know we're sidebarring here but it is interesting that like i've talked to a lot of people uh, who are big handmaid's tale fans who loved it in the first season who have either like consciously decided like i'll i'll wait until the season is fully out for season two and i'll binge it or people who just like who can't handle watching it right now uh and i get it yeah. It's a it's a lot. It's dark. There isn't a lot of like the there, there's none of the uh you know the western tropes and like the samurai tropes and all of the things <laughs> that can kind of um you know brighten up the really dark palette that Westworld plays right. with you know the genre quality of it. Um, Handmaid's Tale is dystopian, but it just it feels so real. Right. This is a Westworld's actually more of an escape. Yeah. It's, it's, rather than a reminder. Yeah, you're like theorizing yeah. and stuff and like. Where's this going to go? Where's this going to lead? And The Handmaid's Tale theorizing is pretty straightforward of like, <laughs> all right, well, what grim, awful thing yeah. is about to happen next? And how is it going to painfully parallel our current existence? Right. So long story short, Westworld is more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But Handmaid's Tale is a terrific show. It is. And it's amazing. A, a very important one and well worth the watch if you can stomach it. But I understand if you can't, considering uh, the nature of our reality. And right. we shall now get off our soapbox yes. and continue talking about this Western science fiction show that is also about to have a very grim ending. There's no escape. Oh, my God. Everything is, everything is awful. <laughs> Here we go. Dolores and Teddy, they reach a house in the in the wilderness and 
it strikes me now thinking about it that this is the somewhere out there someday, right? Yeah. There's got to be a place for us, somewhere a place for us uh, <laughs> that, you know, Teddy and Dolores had been talking about wistfully once upon a time uh, when they were still kind of um, unaware of who they were and what they were and where they are. Yeah. And even in the first episode, Del- uh, Dolores and Teddy, when they have their conversation and a couple of episodes later, they're talking about why do we have to go out and conquer that world? There's still this world that we can, uh, that we can take down, that we can, that we can own and we can be here and we can be happy. And it's so sad that this idyllic place is the place that Teddy chooses to spend the rest of his life, which is not very long. No, uh, just from an aesthetic standpoint, this is yet another episode of Westworld. That's just spectacular from a sheer cinematography standpoint from, you know, the moisture on the chandelier in Williams house to the cinematography of this broken down house in the middle of nowhere, which really represents their relationship. I just thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I agree completely. It's just a, an excellently gorgeously shot episode of the, of a really always very beautiful in, in that way, uh, beautifully shot show. And this episode was directed by Stephen Williams, who directed a lot of lost. He directed at least one episode of Westworld last year as well. Yeah. Uh, so he's familiar with, uh, with the language of the show and, um, and certainly the actors and the crew. So uh, great to have him back on board. He, he does a great job in this episode. Yes. Um, so Teddy is also going to be appreciating uh, the, the, if not quite the cinematography, at least the, the, the scenery. Uh, he's just taking in the natural splendor, he says, oh, except boy. there isn't a, a trace of nature in any of it, is there? And he starts getting uh, wistful. He's talking about how we we were so in love. And she goes, were? <laughs> and that's your first sign that things are, you know, kind of still going in a, in, a, in a weird direction. And he says, oh, yeah, no, we're still in love. No matter what happens, no matter how much I change or no matter how much you change me, you're my cornerstone. Uh, and you have been since the first time I laid eyes on you. And we get this flash to him with Arnold and Arnold bringing... Teddy online for the first time. And I love, again, like just in terms of James Marsden's work across the series, I think this is probably my favorite moment is the moment where he looks up and he sees Dolores and there's just like this sweet smile that appears on his face when he says, I'm in a dream. Like he, like you just watched a human being fall in love instantly. Love yeah. at first sight. Yeah, it was terrific. And God bless James Marsden. He played that. I mean, here you are sitting naked in a room. Uh, and I, obviously this was filmed recently and not at the beginning of the show, I assume, uh, when, you know, yeah. when they have that. And um, to bring such sweetness to the character that we have seen go through so much change was just, it was amazing. It was great. I love him talking about like, I remember the chill in the room. I remember you and worrying that you were cold. Ugh. It's just, it's so sweet. It's so touching. Uh, <laughs> and then it takes this like mega dark turn. And I don't know that I knew exactly where it was going right away. Uh, you know, I, I did wonder like, is he taking a stand against Dolores? Uh, and like, is he about to fight her? And I hope not, because I don't like your odds on that, Teddy. Right. Considering what we saw in the season premiere. Um, and then once he starts saying, like, when she's like, you don't want to hurt me, Teddy. And he says, no, I could never hurt you, Dolores. I'll protect you until the day I die. That's the moment where I was like, uh, oh, 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 no. no. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. And then, so he kills himself. And I thought, yes, that's an interesting choice because he, he had the choice too. And he made that choice. And is it because when she messed with his settings, 
did she inadvertently give him more of a choice? Yeah, uh, that would be a great thing to to look up. Like, what was what was the what was the amount of what changes that were that were made to him? Um, is it is there a free will button that got you know like put to ten, put to eleven? Yeah, and uh, you know I just and then her she's so genuinely shocked as we are. Yeah. Um, and to kill himself by literally shooting his brain ball out because he knows what's in there. Right. And that it is not a skin suit. He can, she, shooting yourself in the heart would kill him temporarily, but his brain ball needs to be destroyed. So just looking, uh, I've just pulled up that Reddit post from a long time ago that showed side by side what Teddy's attributes were and then okay. what they became post Dolores. Um, and one of the things that shoots all the way up, his courage gets maxed out. Um, his loyalty is is maxed out. Uh, his aggression is maxed out. His decisiveness is mm. maxed out. Surprisingly, his self preservation is maxed out. So that doesn't really track. Um, his uh, his bulk app perception goes all the way to the top. Uh, and I think when you combine those attributes and if especially the bulk app perception of like somebody who can like really analyze what his reality is, that tracks in terms of how he was able to tell that like it it wasn't just like a complete zombification of Teddy where he's now just like sort of like a numb follower. He knows what Dolores did. Like he can tell like and that's why he's like snide about it in their previous interactions, uh, you know, post change where he's right. like, yeah, you changed me. Like, let's go. I used to think that, you know, this is the way that things should be. But you changed that, Dolores. Like, it's not like I feel different now or even um, him just like stating things as matter of fact. He all this time since he's changed has been like, yeah, that's what you did to me. Theory time. Yeah. If I may interject something rather out there, which is that if it's happening simultaneously, it was what's happening back at HQ. I think Maeve could have had uh, something to do with this. Oh, interesting. Because she's speaking to and listening in. Uh, to me, she has this, like, her head is now a, a sort of a, an open speaker to other narratives. And I feel like she and Dolores, even though they sort of bonded before Dolores left her there, that there is, they're clearly on different paths. And maybe she feels Teddy's pain or senses it. And allows him to do it. Or at least like wakes him up a little bit. Yeah. More. Yeah. Because because Maeve is all about choice. So Right, that's what I'm saying. It's so interesting to think about. And they did cross paths. Uh yeah. you know, she was there with Dolores when or he was there with Dolores when they encountered Maeve at the end of the attack on the Mesa. Right. Um so that could that could they had they had a, a crossing of the paths. It's so interesting to me that in the same episode you show that Alleged human, William, man in black, cannot kill himself, but a host chooses to. Yeah. I just think it's a really interesting, you know, it's what a dark episode, man, because, you know, his wife killed herself too. So, and again, this is also, they could never have known that our world, current contemporary world is so dark and that celebrities have been, I mean, there were more, obviously suicide is um, something that happens every day, but you hear more about it when it's someone famous and it's happened a lot lately. Um, so yeah. I'm definitely more sensitive to it. And I don't expect shows on cable to necessarily put a trigger warning, but this was a very dark episode in terms of that. It was very, it was very dark. I don't think that they could have anticipated no. some of the stuff that's been happening uh, recently, but it it was sad. I was sad, uh, especially like the Juliet stuff made me very sad. The Emily stuff made me very sad. Uh, and I'm bummed about Teddy, but I, I'm not, 
and maybe that's bad on me, but I'm not that concerned. Like I still feel like we'll see Teddy in some capacity or we'll still see James Marsden at least in some capacity. And uh, I don't know, like, is that, is that, uh, is that callousness or is that something that like the, because of the nature of the reality of the show um, that that's just something to expect. And then if this is meant to be a more permanent exit for the character and the actor, does the show have a little bit of an issue in the sense that like, it's hard to swallow that potentially. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to to buy that as truth. I think so, but I also think it's all going to depend on what happens with Dolores next week. Speaking of, <laughs> we are we are done with uh, talking through Vanishing Point. We're looking ahead at the passenger is just a couple of days away as we are recording this. As you are listening to this, what do you think? Where are we going? What's going to happen? I, Give me some predicts. I mean, I love that. I don't really know, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's interesting that. Ford programmed Dolores to kill him. I also think he programmed Bernard to delete him. I still think that Ford is the man behind the curtain. He is the Wizard of Oz. And I'd be curious to see now because I did not expect him to be with Maeve like that. I think Charlotte Hale thinks she can use Clementine to destroy the mesh network of hosts, but that Maeve and Ford, a.k.a. Fave, will thwart that plan in the finale. Yeah, I'm, I would not bet against Maeve Malay any day of the week. <laughs> uh, and then 10 times on Tuesday. No way. No way. No way. Uh, I like that. I think in the in the Maeve versus Clementine battle, I'm team Maeve on that. Oh, yes. Uh, I also think that, you know, Dad Bernathy is out there. Yeah. Okay? Dad Bernathy is out allegedly in the real world, right? His data has been recovered. I think we're going to see old man Logan. I think we're going to see old man Logan with dad Bernathy being the downloader of the information because he wants to either build his own park or use it to fight what's in the Valley beyond. Who will play old man Logan? You guys tweet us. <laughs> Hashtag old yes. man Logan at round Howard or at Japanianated or both of us, because I mean, we have our own Dreamcast. You know, you've suggested Eric Bana, and even though he doesn't look anything like Ben Barnes, I want Michael Emerson to go on this show. I, I also Michael think um, Jim Caviezel, who was on Person of Interest, which was oh, a Nolan hey. show, Jim yeah. Caviezel would be a very compelling older Logan. Got to age these guys up a little bit. Oh, for sure. But I was just thinking about the, like the way they aged uh, Jimmy Simpson to look. You know, at first you're like, no, there's no way he's going to be the Man in Black because they don't have look alike, and they still have a missing mole on their face, but that's a whole other issue. You just don't let that stuff go. But I feel like there's going to be a house. To, I don't think Logan's dead and I would put money on him appearing in the finale. Okay. Uh, what other, what other predictions? Where, where are we going with Bernard? Where, where's your final landing place on Bernard? I think Bernard lives. And I think that he gets out into the real world, not Dolores. And I, I first time. Yeah. His first time is, well, yeah, because we've seen Arnold, but we haven't seen, well, we did know. We saw Bernard in the real world. Didn't he say, uh, or didn't Dolores say to him, like, you've never been to the real world, but Arnold has. Like, I think they said that back in episode three when they briefly crossed paths. Well, didn't Ford take him to the house where he was building, where Arnold was building a house? That was inside the simulation, though. That wasn't real. It was the simulation. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. My, bra- my brain ball is very confused. Yes. Yes. As, yes. as are we all. <laughs> yes. We're just trying, um, trying our best. But I feel like the version of Bernard that has someone else's brain ball, I don't know if it's Ford, that would make sense, gets out. And so I don't know what happens with that. It's just a weird prediction I have. Um, 
How about who you think will not survive the finale? If you had to take a bet, like one person, who's it going to be? I I have no earthy idea. It's not going to be Evan Rachel Wood. I think like the easy bet is like Carl Strand, peace. You're done. Well, yeah. I actually think because of her career that there's a chance that Charlotte Hale will be gone. That, yeah. That as much as we all love Tessa Thompson and we would watch her read the phone book and watch a whole show about that um, between, you know, the Marvel franchises and her independent films. Um, by the way, everyone go see sorry to bother you when it comes out um, and annihilation, which is terrific. I feel like Tessa Thompson, you know, but maybe it's because it's only 10 episodes a year. She can do both movies and TV, uh, but I feel like she would be one that I would miss if they killed her off. Who would you riot over if they killed off a character who would you be like westworld why did you do this to me Tanny newton yeah same and and dolores and everett what those to me are are my cornerstones <laughs> like you can't you can't kill them off i don't think you can have the show without them and without jeffrey wright agreed agreed yes you're right. I think it would be I think it would be hard to do without a bunch of other people i think it would be very difficult it's difficult to imagine Westworld without Ed Harris, if not for the fact that uh, that Jimmy Simpson is, uh, you know, somebody who could take on the role if they decided to go uh, down like Robo William path. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we already like I was oh, very pleasantly surprised to see Anthony Hopkins back um, right. as much as he was this season. So that was delightful. So whoever gets, quote, killed off, there's a possibility we will see them in some form. Yeah. Uh, All right. I, want to, well, I do want to end it. I will. If it doesn't happen this season, I will give up on it. But I still contend, just like Logan's alive, that Arnold's son, Charlie, is actually his daughter, Charlotte. All right. If it doesn't happen in this finale, it's not happening. Agre- I will give it up, you guys, officially. But I'm sorry. I, that is the theory yes. I will stand by until I walk through I that it. door. <laughs> Never give up. Never Never surrender. surrender. Yes. (laughs) By Grepthar's hammer. Emily will be avenged. All right. So we've got one episode left here uh, of the Westworld season two and the podcast as well. The Passenger coming your way on Sunday night, June 24th. Uh, 90 minute episodes to set your DVRs accordingly. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, postshowrecaps.com slash Westworld. All of the Westworld shenanigans happening at thr.com slash Westworld as well. Uh, Joe is on the Twitter bots at Joe Pinionated, like opinionated with a J in front of it. And I am at Round Howard. Not tweeting so much lately, but I'm still out okay. there. Um, Joe, what's up with Cancer Gets Lost? We're getting uh, getting close to auction time. We are time. less than two weeks away. For those who don't know, um, I run a small nonprofit called Cancer Gets Lost, and you can find us on Twitter and the website by that name. Long story short, we have a, a massive online charity auction opening up July 1st to 11th around the world, and anyone can participate. We have items from 80 shows and 30 films, or 40 films, I'm sorry, including Westworld. We have some exclusive cast crew exclusive gifts that the lovely folks at Kilter Films have gifted us for this auction. Um, as well as a, a couple of really cool custom art pieces for Westworld and many other shows that fans of this genre will enjoy. So July 1st, uh, follow cancergetslost.org or at Twitter is at cancergetslost and you will see uh, all the information and I think you guys will get a kick out of what's available and you're going to be supporting the cause and our cause is the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Nice. I love it. All right. Great causes there. Uh, Great conversation, as always, with you, Joe. And we got one more before we're all said and done over here. 
I'll see you after the door is no longer ajar. Yes, we will walk through the door together on Sunday night and get that podcast to you next week. Uh, take care, everybody. Enjoy. Rewatch the whole season going into the season finale so that you are fresh and uh, less confused, ideally. And put your hats in their boxes. Yeah, don't wear the hat now that you know what the hat really does. <laughs> no hats allowed. All right, take care, everybody. Bye. 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 